Welcome to Educating Susie, a podcast where I quite frankly will be indulging in my own curiosities about a variety of topics. Hopefully as I learn, you will be learning along with me. Topic 2, the refugee crisis in East Africa. In May 2018, I travelled to East Africa with my producer and friend Tessa Gork-Roger. You'll be hearing her pop up from time to time as she kept us on track and fully caffeinated. Just a quick side note, at the time of recording, the community-based organisation discussed in the upcoming interview was called Save World Trust. That has now been changed and is called Kintsuji. So if you want to donate to the organisation or find out a bit more, then please research Kintsuji or go to our Instagram for further information. We can't mention Bahati without mentioning his right-hand man, the wonderful Jean-Pierre. He had, of course, his own story to tell and made some further points that Bahati didn't. Um, his interview is is very well articulated. Um, he actually did a lot of the translations for the interviews. We were quite surprised at that. Yeah. It's worth mentioning that he did a lot of the translations because as you'll hear as, our, uh, as the podcast series continues, a lot of the refugee stories that you hear are from females, um, particular females who have gone through uh, some horrendous ordeals involving rape and other forms of sexual assault. And for them to feel comfortable enough to speak about it in front of him, I, th- I think speaks volumes about the relationship that he has with a lot of refugees there. Oh, how are you? Very fine. Good, what about good. you? Yeah, very good. We've been loving really Kenya. Yeah. It's been, um, You're welcome yeah. to Kenya. I think it's the first you. time, right? Yes, yes it it's, is. It's yeah. our first time. Yeah. We were in Uganda before here and now we're here in Tours. Oh, you were in Uganda? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I think the climate is the same. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, actually, it's cooler here. Yeah, it's it's yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I'm brandishing a mic, so I will, if I chat to you and yeah. just get your story, is that all right? My name is Jean-Pierre Ngira Bahire. I'm from Rwanda. Um, I live in Kenya, but living in Kenya is combined with uh, probably a history of refugees, being a refugee. Yeah, and uh, currently I schooled here in Kenya. I did my high school and uh, university. I finished uh, my BA in community development. Currently I volunteer as a, as a, as a, as a project uh, officer at Savoir Trust. So how old were you when you came to Kenya as a refugee? I was 13. I fled the war when I was 13. So I I crossed Burundi, crossed Tanzania, I was alone. So I didn't free my family. My my parents died during genocide. Uh, My mom, my aunties, my uncles, you know, this is a history where every Rwandan really experienced the same. We experienced a very terrible situation and uh, yeah so we, you heal through years goes by you just try to heal uh, of course that was a not a unique it wasn't a unique case it was actually a collective case many people mm-hmm. suffered and uh, 
I'm sure people are still struggling with the event. No matter how unique though it is, it's still unique to your life and, yes, yeah, and it's still it's hard, so yeah. it, it doesn't make it any less it's of a hor like a horrible situation. Yeah, For, uh, I think it's, uh, it's better to cross over, you know, you can't dwell on the past, you, uh, for you to advance in life you must really try to clear some memories that are hindering you from developing because if you don't develop a philosophy that will make you cross over then you are going to live in still in that period that is very painful and it will still affect your life and on that note how has been integrating into sort of kenyan societies yeah kenyan society is good i always say that kenyans are too good and um, uh, Kenyan are receptive, they really receive people, and I think they also, they're kind of civilized, they're modernized. Uh, it's not like uh, some other cultures in African countries where you are, you are a refugee, uh, they see you as a, a stranger, they start hunting you, uh, but Kenya, Kenyans are good, you can integrate easily, Kenyans are very social, you can socialize with them. Uh, like me, uh, when I arrived here, because uh, I was 17 years old, uh, so I was I went to church. I'm Adventist, and uh, some family members received me. They could just give me food. They could do, give me uh, some money for rent, and also also some the, the church paid some part of my school fees when I was in high school. Yeah, so it was being really. Uh, actually a good environment for me uh, to integrate. And so tell me a bit about how you got involved with Save World's Trust. Yeah, Save World Trust, you know, having a history of being a refugee and also uh, seeing how refugees are suffering, you always have a tendency of a feeling, a feeling of how, how can I help somebody who is really suffering. Uh, like I remember when I used to have uh, uh, my own house, I used to actually host some people who have refugees and the, you just welcome them, you share what you can share with them uh, because uh, uh, you feel, you have that history, you feel it, it's like you are in their own shoes. Yeah, so um, then uh, it came a time where we felt that we have to do something probably better than individual. And also it was uh, after I had finished my school in 2009, now I have graduated, uh, no, 2015, uh, after I have graduated, that we felt that uh, we have to apply the skills we learn in school. Yeah, otherwise it won't be useful if you don't apply them. So we felt, how can we help uh, refugees who are really suffering here? Uh, then we felt that we should uh, bring them together we tell them, come, let's come together, let's form an association where we can meet and uh, learn how we can solve some of the problems. And then uh, we felt among the refugees, they are most miserable people, especially those who are arriving, new arrivals, they don't know what's the, the new environment, the language is a barrier. Yeah, so, and uh, no, you're in a new society. Everybody wants to take advantage. And uh, though Kenyans are good, but uh, there are also people who will always want to take advantage of refugees. Then uh, we said, 
uh, let's come together. Let's see what we can do for ourselves, isn't it? Because if we keep just going knocking to organizations, asking, asking for help, it may really not work. So we brought uh, the members, refugees together. We formed an association, we registered it, and we said that uh, we are going to actually to be contributing whatever little you can get to be able to help someone, for example, who can sleep hungry, who doesn't have a mattress where to stay, who doesn't have a, a cooking pan, and uh, especially ladies and girls who are, cannot afford uh, even a pad, then uh, we felt in that angle of starting with a live road program where we can support with actually refugee support themselves. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, even until now, we do a monthly contribution uh, that caters for um, uh, most vulnerable refugees. And uh, we, we offer food uh, uh, distribution, we offer some clothes. We usually uh, talk to some of the friends, some church members to give us some clothes to, to donate. Yes, yeah, so that's actually how we uh, remove the organization. We also saw on your website that you also obviously help uh, LGBT communities and dis the disabled. So, how do you, do you do? Do you have anything extra that you do and help with them? Yes, uh, LGBT. Uh, you know, um, these are people who come uh, actually from uh, so from societies that are like kind of. Uh, xenophobic about uh, uh, that that behavior you know in Africa and I think we are still don't we st most of people still don't understand and uh, because as we, we we have said that we have to help these people because they are part of the family and part of the community and they most in fact even most of organizations uh, they will not really they don't have a specific services targeting that, that, that uh, specific uh, people with special concerns so we say that um, we 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 identify them uh, we if we identify uh, uh, one of them then we put uh, them in our offices then we now these are the people who will be actually receiving their uh, their now their fellows because they know each other and we don't want to expose them to the rest of the community yeah, so that's how we identify them. So we help them in, uh, uh, in what they need, like other uh, refugees. And we also tell them that for us, we don't discriminate. Yeah. What happens with most of the refugees that you see and that you uh, communicate with on a daily basis? Where do you see them going? Refugees just live here. Most of them, uh, are our program, especially when I, if I want to talk on our programs, our programs, uh, we have programs that target uh, uh, our empowerment. We also have um, the, um, the empowerment that's capacity building, where we give some trainings on uh, on uh, entrepreneurship. And we also give some small grants when we have some money for people who have ideas on what they can do. And uh, some people have uh, been developing, they have been uh, growing. In fact, uh, one day uh, recently when we have a general assembly, there's a mother who, to whom we gave uh, a grant, then uh, she was saying that now I, I, I have, my business has grown, and uh, I want to offer that every week, every weekend, I'll be giving a fish to one person who is really 
uh, one of uh, who needs it or most vulnerable. So that shows us that uh, there's some improvement. Uh, actually, there's development from people. Uh, the feedback is good. Yeah, and uh, uh, we, we see them growing. And others who are selling like fabrics, uh, they go to the main market where they sell at the wholesales, they buy fabrics, then they take them around selling on retail. And um, they also have uh, 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 people who have started, uh, they, they sell shoes, they, they make shoes. Uh, if you've been in Kenya, you know, like Maasai shoes, yeah. So that with beads. Yeah, so that's how we see people developing. And we think that uh, uh, with time, uh, because we're still new, but we are growing, uh, we can see the positive the progress. So when a refugee comes to you, can you talk me through the process that you go through with them and, and how you go about helping them? Yeah, um, we know refugees. We know them because we live with them. We have said we are not going to discriminate any refugee, even our local most vulnerable uh, host members, because our program also targets uh, host members, most vulnerable community. Because we say refugees live with these people, they socialize with them, these are the people they do business with. So if they come to us and say they need help, and we are in a position to help, we do help them. And of course, some of them have been receiving clothing, they have been receiving um, food from our offices, the locals. And um, the process we usually go take them through is um, to identify if you are a refugee. In case of a refugee, we do the registration of your, your UNHCR number. Yeah, so. Um, uh, from there, there are no many other requirements, but uh, we also have some community leaders that uh, work with, uh, with now in different areas. We have uh, refugee representatives in different locations where we operate, so they are the ones who recommend those who are most vulnerable. So uh, once you have been recommended, then you are put on the checklist of the people who need help. Then if you come and find help, it's good we will give you, but if you don't, then we, 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 sorry, we postpone you or we, we, we give you another appointment. Yeah, so that's how actually we do. We have focal points in uh, all different uh, locations, different communities, because we are also serving uh, different nationalities, uh, different uh, Sudanese, there are Somalis, there are uh, Congolese, Burundians, and even Rwandans, though these days uh, there's official communication that Rwandans, uh, asylum seekers, uh, the time has expired for them, so of course they think they, they no longer give them, uh, consider them as uh, Rwandan refugees. Identity must be such an important part of still being a refugee. Like you also, even though you are a refugee, you want to be known from where, where you're from. That must be something to take into consideration when you are dealing with lots of, of different nationalities. Yeah, sure. We, we, uh, the, every refugee has a document. Yeah, it has a document. Since we, we, we do records, we do records, we do records. Every person who has come to our office, we get the, the, those who have appointments with the NHCR, the, those who have uh, already the mandate, um, and those who, uh, yeah, I think some of them are waiting. 
then we we do the recording in our in 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 our, in our, in our files then we offer them uh, the, the support yeah so i think that's uh, what i can talk about the identity so but we don't discriminate yeah so everybody is just served as a actually a vulnerable person if you come looking for a help you are looking for food it really means you are in need of food need of food you can't just go somewhere and say i want food or if you have it in your house yeah there's always this negative reputation around refugees which is just really uncalled for and a lot of times unfair isn't there yeah it is you know um I also saw it here. I, I was almost saying that it is the, probably the case of Africa. Uh, when you are a refugee now, nobody will just probably think you used to be a human being. You are just uh, in the street begging, you lost your everything, you have uh, emotional trauma, physical wounds, uh, everything. You are really a wounded person in all aspects. But uh, it's very sad sometimes that even in organizations that work with the refugees, they have really not probably got training and mastered the skills and the behavior or the ability of receiving a refugee as a human being. It's like when you're a refugee, you are not a human being. You, are, uh, you seem to be a burden to another society, maybe the host community. The host community members will see you as a curse. They will see you as uh, someone who has come actually to now to to m uh, minimize their their resources or consume their resources, and they never think of the uh, about the aspect of being also uh, an economic contributor because the refugees also contribute a lot. If I tell the case of maybe Kenya, we have a telecommunication company that called Safaricom. Uh, most of refugees have their lines, they use their lines, and they, for you to make a call to communicate, you have to spend money. And uh, the, even in, in here, the local markets, when uh, refugees go by, they, also, they really, they, I think there is a need for people to understand, though these people are refugees, but to also look at what their contribution to the national growth, the economic growth because these are the people also consume, and they consume when they have bought. So I think uh, the, there is a really negative perception about a refugee, but uh, it's also, I think it's a matter of consciousness. We, people need to be sensitized and know that refugees are not really as a burden as they say. Uh, yes, it's true that the impact on environmental, social, economic uh, uh, aspect, but they also, contribute like any other person. It's definitely something that people need to be a bit more sensitive and understanding about. Yeah, uh, a refugee uh, situation is a situation that uh, everybody knows that should know that it's an inevitable situation. Uh, because if wars are happening all, all around the world, these wars have their sponsors. And the sponsors, uh, most of the time, uh, I don't want to mention anything, but these are people who have uh, uh, economic interest in it. Because if you stop supplying guns, weapons, uh, you, sp you stop sponsoring militia across the world, then the war will stop. Where there is war, there are people wanting to escape it. 
Yes, people want to escape, but uh, uh, I, I feel there, there are some root causes for these wars to happen, for people to become refugees. And if I talk in the case of Donald Trump, and I'm sure uh, uh, these immigrants who fled to America have contributed a lot to the American society. These are the people who go to school, they become workers there, they work for the society, and they contribute. They pay taxes, uh, everything. I think uh, well, uh, we, the, the people should also not look at that uh, aspect of that someone has, is a refugee, is existing here as a refugee, but they should also look at what this refugee is doing, what is he contributing to the well-being of my nation. I think that uh, it's a long perception that people have. Maybe uh, I, I, I don't really know, but uh, there, there is a need of maybe revising uh, even uh, there is a need of conferences where now we, these people will talk specifically about the contribution of refugees and also how to come up with mechan sustainable mechanism of actually supporting refugees without considering them as um, a curse or a burden to their societies. Absolutely. And going back to Save Wells Trust, how is the charity funded? Uh, as I said in Sherry, the charity is funded by through members' contribution. So far, we do our contribution as members. There's some donations we get uh, from people like uh, food staffs. We we have some a few friends, but a few friends who can just say, "I will give, uh, I will buy maybe Santa towers for ladies and girls." They. Uh, if you get uh, someone who is willing, they bring the people who can uh, bring like uh, foodstuffs like uh, uh, maize flour, uh, rice, beans, and um, for uh, uh, other services we have now volunteers. Actually, we work on volunteering basis where we have like uh, our social. Uh, our psychosocial counseling center, we have volunteers. These are people who have given themselves, they say, we want to volunteer, uh, we are not here for a salary, we understand the cause properly. Once you understand the vision and the mission of several trust, then you come in as someone actually who also wants to give back to the society. Yeah. And what is the future of Save World Trust looking like for you? Yeah, for us, we said that this is a mission that is going to big, even bigger than we think. Because when you are talking of uh, a refugee industry and also host community members who are very much miserable, you've gone around here in Kenya. If it's your first time to reach in Kenya, you've gone. Uh, you will probably take your time to go into the slums and uh, see what kind of people, uh, kind of life people are living. Then you say, this is not a life that a human being has been created for. So for us, we really want to empower the people first of all to empower the people not just to give uh, just handouts we our our main objectives is to empower the people to give them knowledge and actually sensitize their consciousness about the standards of living because we believe that every human being uh, is entitled to a good living whether you are a refugee whether you are not a refugee you really deserve uh, a good life. 
So our programs will expand. We will expand into uh, counseling, a special counseling of refugees who are so much traumatized. You can imagine that kind of uh, situation refugees have gone through. And uh, none of the organizations actually, some of them give, but uh, we feel that the kind of treatment refugees are uh, getting is not the right treatment because refugees are people who are very much traumatized. They need care, they need to be listened to, they need a special counseling. That's why I've been really uh, advocating for uh, counseling services for refugees, and we have also been calling for people who are willing to support refugees. We are planning to, uh, to, sign, uh, to sign an agreement with the Kenyan Association of uh, Counselors, where if they allow us to offer the services, then they can really help us to be able to help uh, refugees who are, who are in need of uh, counseling services. And uh, also on empowerment, we will uh, continue to give trainings. Yeah, we look forward uh, engaging professionals who have skills in entrepreneurship uh, to keep training refugees on entrepreneurship, saving culture, whereby refugees will be able to start some businesses, those who are, have uh, business ideas, to come and uh, be able to acquire skills so that they can do businesses and to improve their lives and the lives of their families. And also we want to empower them in terms of the education. We talked about uh, technical education where uh, students can go acquire like a driving license. You know, if you have a driving license, uh, maybe you will end up getting a job. That's what we think. And also uh, other skills like uh, there is uh, uh, these uh, uh, ladies who want to do like uh, beauty shops. Uh, uh, cosmetics, yeah, opening uh, beauty saloons. We also target them. That, those are uh, actually our programs. Yeah, and we we also have uh, want to introduce some services that targeting like uh, family planning and productive health because it's something that uh, uh, most of organizations have ignored. And uh, when you look at the kind of level of uh, HIV AIDS, uh, especially around the cities, and refugees no, are never, never taken consideration by any government. They are not part of the government to be given those services. So there should be somebody who actually, who should cater for their needs and uh, reproductive health, especially these people come from societies where they believe that giving birth is a it's endless, you know, but endless, you know, and they end up forgetting the situation where they are. And I think it's a lack of knowledge on both parties, both men and women, that now you are a refugee, you don't even have anything to sustain your life. Why do you bring other people who will be uh, facing serious challenges and become a burden to the society and that you cannot cater for their basic needs? Yeah, so. Uh, those are, that, that's the program we want to introduce. And we will, of course, continue uh, looking for uh, partners. We really need partners 
we as we meet people even you here we welcome you to be our partners you travel across the world you meet people actually some people say money is not a problem you know there's some people who know where money is to help other people the people who waste money every day I went to a conference that was saying that in every second there is seven tons of food thrown in the dustbin in the garbage but in that one second a person dies of hunger yeah. you can just imagine so uh, we welcome partners we want to partner people we want to tell people what we are doing and we want people to understand that they, are, they also have responsibilities of uh, alleviating uh, so much pain so much burdens of the human being on a personal note do you see your future here in Kenya or would you like to return home at any point? Uh, yeah, I see my future here in Kenya and it's easy now because now we, uh, as Africa is uh, being integrated now, we belong now to one community which is East African community. So you can live anywhere you feel comfortable and uh, many agreements, uh, especially uh, labor agreements, uh, work agreements and the business agreements, diplomatic and political agreements are being signed by the, uh, the state members of the East African community, which makes easy for somebody who has something to do somewhere to do it without any problem. Uh, so far, there's no problem uh, living in Kenya. And given that we also want to expand our, our services when we grow to other East African countries or even African countries, we, uh, uh, for me, I, I, I feel Kenya still uh, has, uh, is, is still a place to live. Yeah, still a place to live because, uh, first of all, it's because uh, what we are doing here is uh, we, when we deal with the refugees and also local communities who need services, they, it's just a uniform life in Africa. So we can be based here, but we can also have some other branches uh, across Africa as we grow. But in terms of uh, uh, living, East Africa now, you can live anywhere you want to live. Yeah, and I feel comfortable in Kenya, yeah. You returned to Rwanda in 2009. Yes. Uh, and what was that like, returning? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, having lived uh, abroad and uh, for so long, uh, when you go back home, a country that you fled, uh, when there were so much problems, political problems, killings, uh, uh, revenge, uh, you know, it wasn't easy for me to go, but when I went, the situation was good, the country has stabilized, the process of um, reconciliation uh, has started, people have reconciliated, reconciliated and uh, you feel that okay, yeah, you, you are a, somehow a stranger, but you feel still you feel you're at home, you know, because the home is still home, you know. So I met my, my my family members. My sister is there. Actually, I have a sister there. So oh, she's the one who is yeah. So I was happy to to meet her. But I go often, my dear. Like twice a year, I go back yeah. home. Yeah. So you still like returning, even though Kenya's home now. 
Yeah, I feel like going back. You know, it's my home. It's yeah. my home. Yeah, it's really my home. I, I love you. You will always love your home. Yes, you will always love your home.